love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. Don't you just love a good love story? Love is like that. It's the light that is part of your life. It's unconditional. There's something there for all of us. There's hope that we can get through this and find some joy in our lives. He's always been the one. Self-love is a love story too. Those little sparks of joy are really important. Imagine someone making your biggest dream come true. It's important for people to understand that you're not alone. We love to be part of a Canadian love story. The love story never ends. Well, love is the most important thing. It was summer of 2019, so a year after our meeting in Kyiv. Matthew wrote me a message, hey, was it serious or not? Do you want to visit me in Toronto? I had no idea how this response would be, but Masha wrote back, yes, there was a spark, and she said, uh, you conquered me. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Maria and Matt. They met in 2018 when he, a Canadian playwright, traveled to Ukraine for a workshop where he met her, an accomplished and passionate actor. A lot of love stories have twists, turns, and challenges, but theirs included a global pandemic and a tragic war. Not only did their relationship endure, though, it flourished, and now they're sharing it with audiences across Canada in a powerful new play. This is the Canadian Love Map. Hi, Matt and Maria. I've been so looking forward to this conversation. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Hello. I know you're in the middle of a big project right now, but I want to take you back to the very beginning, before this project was ever an entity and before you were ever a pair. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about each of you and your lives before you met. Maria, would you like to start? I was an actor and I'm still an actor. I was working in theater in Kyiv for uh, five years. And by the moment when Matthew came to Kyiv in 2018, I was mostly like in independent theater projects in Kyiv. I was not attached to any specific theater. I was like a free, free actor, experimental actor doing films and TV shows as well. So because in Ukraine, like the theater tradition is if you're graduating and you're mostly attached to one repertoire theater. I used to work there for a couple of years, but then I understood that, no, it's not my way of doing art, of being a creator. So I wanted to feel more freedom. So, yeah, I was doing like different stuff, different things. I was open to any kind of propositions that came to me. What was it like growing up in Odessa? Odessa is such a European, beautiful city with lots of different nationalities, lots of different people around, lots of different theaters, museums, with a big literature history, actually. So being grown in Odessa is a big luck, I guess. Well, it was not like cultural 
capital of Ukraine, but in many ways Odessa was like a cultural city for sure. And for a kid being raised there, it was a big luck. My parents did everything to let me do whatever I wanted, like in terms of learning English, in terms of doing theater, in terms of going on contemporary dance classes and all this stuff. Oh, it's beautiful. All right, Matt, back to the beginning. Rewind. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, I got into acting. I was cast as Tiny Tim with a famous actor from uh, Edmonton named Walter Kaza, who a theater was named after for a while, an uh, incredible man. And they cast me as Tiny Tim, I think, because I looked kind of sickly at 11. And uh, <laughs> and anyhow, I, I was in a number of shows as a kid, but then I loved theater, but I, I didn't actually love being on stage. So uh, I found I was more interested in, in watching what was happening and understanding everything that was happening to create the magic. I was permitted, I went to an arts high school called Vic Comp in Edmonton. They let me start my own playwriting class of one. What was your first play about, may I ask? Oh, I think I wrote a play that was never quite finished about a bunch of uh, street kids playing a big road hockey game. That was what I worked on in high school, but I had trouble finishing plays for the longest time. <laughs> and uh, and I, yeah, I went to the National Theater School uh, in, in Montreal and I took the playwriting program there, and I think I still have the record for failed applications to the program. Uh, they only take two people a year from across the country, so it was a little tricky to get in, but they finally relented. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so how did your path lead you to Maria? Well, I was working with um, the Ukrainian-Canadian playwright Liana Makuf in, uh, in Edmonton. I was working with her dramaturgically on developing a piece of hers, uh, called Barvinuk, and uh, we were developing it, and we decided that in order to develop the show, which is about her grandmother who who fled the Second World War, fled the, the Soviets and the Nazis, um, we, we needed to go to Ukraine and do research um, because we wanted to speak to the, the conflict that was occurring in the East, which is now, of course, um, much, much worse. And so we went to Ukraine originally in 2017, and then we returned in 2018, where we were fortunate enough to work with uh, Ukrainian actors uh, who could speak English in a workshop in Kyiv. And this is where I met uh, Masha. She was uh, an actor in, in the workshop. So this is how we, we came to meet. And what was the atmosphere like there then? It's it's hard to imagine, you know, that moment in time when obviously you and the rest of the world had no idea what was to come in terms of the pandemic and the war. Yes, I mean, pre-pandemic, um, everything, you just take it for granted to be able to travel and go wherever. And the language, not a lot of people at the time spoke English in Ukraine, so that made it, we were very dependent on Liana and then later on, on, on Maria. We were interviewing a lot of veterans from the conflict, the ongoing conflict in the East, in the Donbass, and they were telling us again and again that, that Russia was still going to launch a full-scale invasion. So we'd been hearing uh, warnings for years uh, before the full-scale invasion, but of course you didn't want to believe it. And, and most Ukrainians who we met who were civilians definitely did not think that that was the, the case the, as the veterans did. Just a, an incredible uh, time to be there before the war. I'm sure things have changed dramatically since then. Not to be trite, but let's talk about the sparks that happened when you two met, or, or did they? 
Well, I think uh, something interesting happened in 2018 when we first met, but it was only professional relationship, only professional. We were not getting any closer to each other. I was only an actor doing my job and he was only the playwright doing his job, but not even a playwright. He was assisting his friend, Liana. She was the main playwright and Patrick was a director. So Matthew was like a silent witness of all this um, workshop, which was very important, very important presence for me because he was always listening, very attentively, mostly silent. Only later I knew how wit and talkative he can be. But at that moment, he was mostly (laughs) silent. And it was so important for me that this guy who I didn't know even who he was, actually, he was just so attentive to my work and there was one day in workshop when he didn't come and i felt really bad that day so his silent present was very essential for me in that workshop and when did the relationship evolve well we were messaging we, we struck up a friendship and and maria had come out we were interviewing ukrainian veterans through that time and maria came out quite frequently with us and Maria would just have like one drink and then leave. And I was like, I would wish to talk to her more. We started messaging as friends and we had more projects we were wanting to do in Ukraine. But I was in a relationship at the time. And so when my relationship ended a few months after that, I, I got in touch with Maria and said, was there a spark between you and I when we met in Kiev? But from my side, I can say that I didn't expect this question at all. I didn't even expect that Matthew will continue messaging me because when we said goodbye in Kiev, when the workshop was over, I was completely sure that nothing will evolve, that nothing will happen out of that because he was so restrained and silent. And so was I. I mean, it was just like distance, attraction, but nothing more. And I was so surprised and glad that he continued correspondencing with me because I didn't expect that. And I wanted that for sure. (laughs) But I I said goodbye to him and I was sure that it's forever. Yeah. And so I messaged Maria. I keep calling her Masha. I call her Masha. (laughs) And I had no idea how this response would be. But Masha wrote back, yes, there was a spark. And she said, uh, you conquered me. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) He conquered me with his silence. With his silence. Yeah. So as a writer, to get this response, this sort of like high romance response, I was like, whoa. (laughs) So we went from messaging his friends to suddenly, you know, still corresponding for a few months before we were able to see one another. But there was a real uh, dramatic shift there. (laughs) It strikes me that a lot of people, when they start a relationship, it's all about talking and surface things. But you started at a very deep level of presence. And, and that's how you met. And then you went from there. That's, that's uh, fascinating. Yeah, we were, I mean, we got to know each other quite well as friends messaging over the course of that year. You know, we talked about previous relationships and and uh, and the lives we led as as artists in our respective countries, and how wild those those lives were, and how unpredictable. And and so it was like, you know, we weren't writing letters to each other, but it, it sort of felt like a, a a relationship of old in that regard, where it started as this exchange of 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 words, and uh, and so that that made it special, and and meant that we had a real understanding of at least each other's history. Yeah, and for me, it was also important to know what kind of um, attitude Matthew has to the theater, because if he was just like 
a guy who is looking for fame or something that wouldn't be interesting for me. But because he told me that he's doing theater for all his life and that he entered theater school when he was 25 so he was going going to that aim for a long time and it really attracted me because I'm actually from the same I was on the same page when I entered theater university I was 20 years old I was grown up person so it was a conscious decision and for him it was also a conscious decision to dedicate the life to the theater so we were as artists on the same page I guess and that was important for me too. So it's like your passion, your individual or respective passion for your art contributed to your passion for each other. Yeah, very much so. But it was also interesting, and this is something we explore in our in our play, in the sense that we had very different understandings of what we were interested in with theater and what constituted art. So there was actually debate and you know conflict, not fighting, but conflict in terms of mm-hmm. Masha as a, a great lover of the classics and work by dead playwrights and I'm very much focused on contemporary work and and the, and the here and now so it's a sort of debate we even have in the play. <laughs> so when did this relationship get lifted off the page as it were? When did you go from messaging to actually seeing each other in person? Oh, it was summer of 2019, so a year after our meeting in Kyiv. We were corresponding for a year and uh, it was summer and Matthew wrote me a message. Hey, was it serious or not? Do you want to visit me in Toronto? He wrote me and I said, yes, certainly. Why not? So, yeah, I was like sort of ready for that question because we had this year of messaging to each other. And I was asking myself, so where it will bring us, where it will go, whether it will stay on this distance romance stage or it will somehow will be brought to reality and Matthew made his first step to invite me to Toronto and I said yes I was not like breaking a lady and saying no I have to think no I said yes but we were still not we still hadn't decided that we were gonna have a romance like it was still friendship but there was interstate and then it was clear that Masha coming to visit me gave her mom some worry um, because obviously Canada and Ukraine, but bit of a different economic situation. So I needed to write uh, Olga a letter. And I even had my mom um, write uh, Olga just, just so she knew that this was... A reliable so, person. Yeah, so she could, so yeah. she could be comforted by that. But yeah, when Masha first came, she still was, she said, well, I don't want any strings attached. Like, we'll see how it goes. And I said, yeah, of course, same here. Um, so so we, didn't, we didn't necessarily know when we saw each other after a year and whatever else, whether we still feel that spark. But it was very funny because Masha once did a post on Facebook about our relationship and one of her friends in Ukraine said, so wait, you met in Ukraine, you never even kissed, and then you flew to Toronto to see each other? And, and Marie said yes. So for some reason, just because of our the way we're both wired, it felt like a perfectly reasonable thing to do. But in hindsight, it was maybe quite extreme to have this first date kind of across the world. <laughs> Some would say meant to be. Yeah, but maybe it, it felt that way more and more. Only days after Maria was here, it was just, uh, it was it was incredible. She, she loved Toronto. I couldn't believe she loved Toronto. Um, <laughs> we joke about that in the play. And yeah, I really love what we experienced together. So how short a visit was that? My first visit to Toronto was three weeks long, and then we parted again. I came back to Ukraine to continue my life and work. 
and 2020 happened and in February 2020 it was the last month the last window when Matthew managed to come to Ukraine to work on his project again with Liana well we didn't know it was the last window yeah we came and and we we were able to see each other in Kiev again and we were actually together by that point so that was very exciting I got to see Masha perform in a, a night of poetry, which I've seen poetry jams and things in Canada, but this was next level. This was in a theater. Maria was in period dress with a with a wig. In the in the promo shot, she's got an owl, like a real owl, on her shoulder, <laughs> and wow. uh, the place was packed. And uh, I bought Maria a bouquet, and it it did seem a li- little large. <laughs> and someone in the in the lineup said, "That's a wedding bouquet." <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little accidental but then we went from Kiev to meet Masha's parents in Odessa and that that was the first time I've been in Ukraine without my my dear friends Patrick and Liana and and their security blanket um that was just me and Maria and that was quite something because Odessa for anyone who's been to Ukraine you know the different cities are very different from one another but but Odessa is very different from Kiev it's a port city. It's it's got this. Um, the opera house is is I think a replica of the opera house in Vienna. Um, there's the steps of Potemkin, which some people recognize. Um, so there's just certain things that um, are sort of in the distant collective memory of the West. I think in some ways of Odessa, um, but then the culture of the place. It's a very very Jewish culture. The music, the food, from a someone who's a writer and. Uh, maybe a bit of a romantic Odessa was like wow like uh, an incredible place to be and and to be introduced to it by a seventh generation Odessan was uh, even more special wow that's extraordinary and when was your next visit because you were getting very close to the pandemic then I'm I'm on the edge of my seat Well, we said goodbye. It was 12th or 13th of March. I mm-hmm. think it was 12th of March. Yeah, Matthew left yeah. uh, Ukraine. And on the next day, it all happened. Mm-hmm. Next day, mm-hmm. all these borders uh, were closed. So Matthew just managed to catch the last plane, I guess. Which, again, so, we didn't know. We didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> it was what I'd already always had scheduled. <clears throat> so that was a very un un unplanned uh dramatic timing in terms of uh the departure and maria what was it like for you when the pandemic hit in ukraine oh well it was it was complete vacuum it was a feeling of um yeah losing the ground and despair as many people would also experience for sure but then like after a month of this pandemic i found out that something is wrong with me something is wrong with me and I made a pregnancy test and it turned out that I was pregnant. It was 9th of April. I remember that date when I did the test. So that was our new obstacle that we had to meet in pandemic times. Um, And I felt so, how to say, I, I knew that I have family in Odessa and they're with me. I have my mom and dad and of course they will support me. But most of all, I wanted Matthew to be with me at this time. And it was not possible, just not possible. No planes were flying. So, yeah, I didn't know what to do. I was just in despair. Is it too personal to ask about the conversation when you let him know you were pregnant? We have this scene in our show. It's not personal <laughs> at all. Oh. <laughs> it's a little spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Mar- yeah Maria. Yeah. 
mentioned late one night on on Canada's side that she was late. And I said, oh, okay. Um, And so we agreed that she would take a pregnancy test when I was awake the next day so we could kind of find out together. But of course, she was like seven hours ahead and she couldn't wait all day. So I woke up to a series of emojis uh, <laughs> that told me that uh, a little a little one was on their way. And uh, so that was that was a, a shock to wake up to. Pregnancy announcement by emoji. Yeah. I have not yet heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I kept looking at them and being like, is this tr- is this? Is this what I think it is? Yes, it must be. And then also, I can't believe I'm learning about this from emojis. <laughs> but to be to be true, we did another test together. So I we did, did two test. tests. Yeah, to yeah. be sure. Mm-hmm. Then the conversation quickly turned to how on earth we were going to get reunited because the international travel ban, as we were already knew, was, was in effect indefinitely. So uh, for the next um, three months after we learned that Masha was pregnant, we were unable to, to, to reunite. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centers. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. I think about the level of concern you would have for the woman you love who is pregnant half the world away in normal times, oh, yeah. but with a pandemic raging. I can't, I can't even conceive of that. Excuse the pun. It was so strange because there was all these super dramatic things that were occurring, like the pandemic and the travel ban and learning that we were expecting. But then after the information we've digested the information we're just sitting around and waiting you know <laughs> and then of mm. course i've been this sort of uh for want of a better term transient artist for the last 10 years and i'm like okay i need to find a home like we we determined that we wanted to have our baby in canada namely because my work wouldn't allow me to be in ukraine and so i suddenly was i had to drive from toronto to edmonton I had to do a lot of backlog of taxes. Um, <laughs> just basically, you know, they say like it's a it's a stereotype, but they say that men get their lives together in, in a hurry when they get married or meet that certain someone. And I did like in three months, I got everything. <laughs> like it was a heart attack, but uh, fortunately, got things things in order. And then I booked a ticket. They'd sort of I'd heard a report that they thought that the travel ban might be partially lifted uh, by July 1st or 2nd, I believe. And so a month before that, I just bought the ticket. And so when I got on my plane in Edmonton, the international travel ban was still in effect. So I couldn't check into my flight to Europe from Toronto. I arrived at the airport in Toronto and the international travel ban had been partially lifted that day. But one of my connecting flights in Europe from Vienna to Odessa had been canceled. So Air Canada told me that my flight was void. Then I managed to call someone who was, I think, a bit more of a competent agent. And uh, they just rerouted me through Istanbul. So I was the next morning able to get on a flight to Ukraine. But we were confident I could get into Germany and that I would likely be allowed to go to Turkey. But we still had no idea whether they would let me into Ukraine. And so that was high drama trying to get on the plane. Everyone went on break. 
And so there was one agent left and I just sort of walked up without even being asked. And he just looked at me and uh, he looked at my password. He said, oh, oh, you're from Canada. And then boom, I was allowed in. I just stood in customs for the last two hours. Maria had been outside waiting for, for five hours because you're not allowed in the actual airport because of COVID. Um, so we still don't quite know how I was allowed in, but I was allowed in. <laughs> So did it feel like a miracle? Yes. When you when you reunited? Yes. Oh yes. It was uh and I was so determined to to finish the mission that I marched out of the airport and I walked right past Maria. <laughs> so about 20 meters away I hear this call. Hey, hey. I turn around and there she was and so yeah, no, it was uh, it was disbelief that after all that waiting and then all that tsunamis of stress flying across the world that we were actually uh, finally together again mm -hmm. and then you made it official yep. yes in odessa we got married in odessa with only 10 people because it was maximum amount of people which was allowed on wedding at that time and yeah it's actually the amount of my friends and family the closest ones 10 people this was our intimate wedding and we had our amazing photo shoot in odessa opera theater those photos are our poster right now. And we had this Grand Promenade walk and restaurant at the seashore. So everything was excellent. Just, just very humble, very intimate atmosphere. Oh, that is amazing. I'm also wondering how many days or weeks had you actually been together in person before you said your vows that day? Well, we counted and it was about five, six weeks. It was a very, very short amount of time. Aside yeah. of corresponding, like real being together, real meeting was about, yeah. Five, yeah, because there was that long correspondence before we decided that we had the spark. And then there was a long correspondence before we could be reunited. So a lot of the relationship was, was corresponding. Um, but as artists, we live so much in our heads that it we were actually shocked when we did the math. <laughs> <laughs> about how much time we'd actually spent uh, literally together. Yeah, it felt, it much felt like more, much more. Much yeah. More. So I gather you left for Toronto and, and moved back to Toronto, but I'm curious about when your artists' heads really produced this idea of creating a play. Well, we first, we had our son in Edmonton. And uh, I'd been commissioned by Toronto's Factory Theatre to write a piece in the pandemic. They have these audio play series. And they said, you know, you've just been through this sort of amazing situation. Would you mind writing about that? And so we wrote an audio play for them, just like a, a short 20-minute piece. It was just more or less like the cult, like just the point-blank form of what, what occurred. And uh, two actors performed that um, playing us, which was very funny to hear. They were amazing actors, uh, Christine Horn and, and Craig Lozon here in Toronto. Um, and then we knew we wanted to hopefully expand that and, and, and do it on stage. There was talk maybe me not being in it, but that Masha would for sure be in it. And then, of course, we were planning to return to Odessa um, so that our son could meet his grandparents in Odessa and that we were planning once that sort of circle had been completed, then we were going to start into work on the, the, the stage play. Mm -hmm. But uh, right before we planned to return to Odessa, um, uh, Russia poured across the border. And so that trip is yet to happen and that shifted things dramatically in terms of what we were writing about. 
Wow, it must have. Uh, Maria, I don't even know how to ask the question. How did you feel seems so inadequate when I'm asking about what your response was at that time when the war started? Well, I was silent for a year. I couldn't uh, do anything. I couldn't write anything. Uh, luckily, I had my son. It was a sort of uh, work that I had to do. Like I knew that it's my duty. At least that helped me to be alive. But still, in my head, I was constantly with Ukraine. I was scrolling news. I was reading those news, and it didn't. It didn't impact me well. I mean, I was in shock i was in despair and yeah just many many different feelings that i'm sure ukrainians if they listen to this podcast they will understand how i felt at that time but i was not ready to do any kind of creative work i was i didn't even know if i will be back to my profession anymore because i was in such a dilemma and questioning myself why should i do that like what can i talk about what can I perform about you know it was like crisis of course it was a crisis inside of myself because again I was raised very much on Russian culture Russian theater which had huge influence in Ukraine and that was my sort of way of thinking and way of raising myself right from like early years and now I had to like what should I do with all this legacy inside of myself should I raise it should I burn it what should I do and that's how actually Matthew persuaded me to start writing, just write about what I felt, what I was thinking about. Uh, and it helped me, although I didn't even mean it to be a play. I didn't mean these notes to be a play, for sure. They were very personal. But then, yeah, Matthew just persuaded me to share these notes with him. And he was choosing, choosing, choosing like material that could be good for something in the future, whether it's a play or maybe it's another half of audio play. I didn't know what was that. And slowly, yeah, it was a slow process of recovering. It happened in 2022 and only in 2023, probably I was kind of feeling that I'm ready to go on stage and share this story. Was creating the play a kind of therapy for you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Allowing yourself to voice mm -hmm. your feelings. Mm -hmm. And Matthew, how important was that for you in understanding what she was going through at a deep emotional level? That was huge. I mean, but we also wrote from the beginning of our relationship. So we also learned because things as, <laughs> as people have heard developed quite quickly. And so we were hearing what the other was thinking at certain points. And that was really quite surprising and interesting to go through that. But then, yeah, specifically with the war, folks from that part of the world don't complain as much as Canadians might. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it's, it's more internalized and stuffed inside. It was a challenge for me to kind of really figure out what was going on. And so then I'm, I'm experiencing the war through some people that I know, but nothing on the scale of Masha. And then mostly through news feeds and whatnot. So it's becoming almost sort of a theoretical stuff. And, you know, people like my dad and me are talking about World War Two and the implications and all this stuff sort of, you know, and it, I think that 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 um, being able to dive into the story just from our own personal set standpoint was really important to be reminded that it's um, all this sort of geopolitical chess match is 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 irrelevant for normal people like us. It's it's how it's how it's affecting the the personal and the, our friends and our family in their everyday, and that's that's and how it's affected us in our everyday here. That's that's. That's the real story and the real thing that we had to sort of dig into um, 
to understand what the other was going through. And, but you know, it's, it's not as if it's over and it's not as if like the challenges have been overcome or all has been resolved, obviously, because <laughs> the war is still ongoing. So it's uh, it's ongoing um, dialogue and process, but the but doing the play together, I think I had uh, a playwright friend of mine warn me that mm-hmm. this would be the end of our marriage, <laughs> and <laughs> and in fact, I think it's actually strengthened strengthened uh, our I'd say our bond. Our marriage, I guess. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. if we didn't write this play, it would be much worse for sure. Mm-hmm. And being together in this process of writing all out, I think. It was only a salvation for us, not the not the conflict at all. Well, it's amazing to me because theater was such a passion for both of you. And of course, that art form, and as with most, has the power, incredible power, to not only entertain, but to educate. And there seems to be, apart from the romance of the story, there seems to be an extraordinary tool here that you've got to help people understand so many different things about the situation. Yeah, you're right. And actually, I will give a little spoiler about our show that the set is going on in the theater. So the theater is like a set for our show all our love stories happening in a theater because that's how we were acquainted to each other through the theater. And it's, it's still, you're right, our important tool that keeps us together. I'm sure that if it wasn't for this tool, I don't know how we would cope with all this constant obstacles that we have in our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but theater helps us to just to analyze them and to go through them and feel through them and yeah, and share friends and family who don't have a direct connection to Ukraine, they were always very responsive to us, but you could tell that it was becoming more and more uh, desensitized and it was worrisome because we're saying, oh, they're not, they're starting to not see Ukraine as, as um, a peace-loving, beautiful country full of beautiful people, that it's just this place of war and, and destruction and despair. And that was so not my experience in Ukraine. You know, I felt in love with Maria, but also fell in love with Ukraine and Odessa. And and the images I have of Ukraine in my mind are nothing like what we see on the news now. The fact that we're doing a show that about, you know, a war that is ongoing right now, I guess you could say that's political, but ultimately it's a personal story. It's our love story. And of course, no love story happens in a vacuum. Mm, and yeah. I'm curious about the title of your play. Uh, yeah, we have uh, another another character who is not present in our show but we talk about him all the time and it's our son ivan he's now two years and four months old and he's the first native man of odessa Mm -hmm. because he has this mix of bloods from ukraine from odessa and matthew is metis he has his blood in himself and that's how we proclaimed him. Yeah, I think a lot of people assume the first Métis man of Odessa is me, mm-hmm. but then for sure by the end of the show, it clicks. Sometimes at the very end of the show, it clicks for people that the first Métis man of Odessa is our son Ivan. <laughs> what is your hope for this play? Well, my main hope is, uh, first of all, to uh, create this personal approach and personal connection with Ukraine through our lenses, through the lenses of our love story, to give Ukraine like an image and voice of a country with big culture and with beauty, not just a war zone. 
the feeling that the war is happening somewhere far away in far Ukraine, but it's actually not. Ukrainians are all around. They are here. I'm here. And our stories are so near. You can just stretch your hand and you'll find the Ukrainian and you can talk to him and he or she will share their incredible stories. So Ukraine is near. That was our main goal of making this show. And also the feeling that even in these dark times, like the life continues to go on. We feel a lot of hope and a lot of joy with our son. And so we definitely speak to the darkness of what what's it's going on. But every night after the show, people would stay for hours afterward and talk to us. It's been very exhausting, um, <laughs> but such so important because, you know, when you read a play, you want to, that to spark conversations than to hear other people's stories. And that's really been happening. That's very very heartening and we're so excited to share our story across the country and hear other people's stories. I often ask when I interview couples what they love most about each other and I am interested in the answer to that but then I'm also going to ask you what you each love most about Ukraine. Well for me Ukraine is such an amazing country full of different people, different nationalities living together and i wish that this variety will just continue to be the flourishing of different nations will just after the victory will happen in ukraine will just be more widespread because people will be probably more interested in ukraine what's this kind of country let's go there and that people will come there and will hear different languages again as it was before the war i love that vision mm -hmm about Matt, I want to say that he's amazingly curious about the world. He is never indifferent, never boring. It's always interesting to talk to him about different kind of stuff. He cares about many things. He cares about his family. He cares about my country. And he cares about theater in Canada, what's going on in theater. So there are many sides of Matthew that really provoke me and never keep me bored. I'm always on my deep toes with him what i love most about masha is uh is her her thoughtfulness her patience uh it sounds strange but like masha's quietness masha's like goes through the world like very gently it, it means a lot to me it has a big effect on me but i think for me with ukraine the young people the people who i met the veterans and the artists i think that these folks are I really do strongly believe that they're fighting for for all freedom-loving people right now. And they are people who talk about freedom and liberty, and they're, they're laying it all on the line for that. And it's not a theoretical thing. It's not a textbook thing. And so I, I find that the, the younger Ukrainians that I know uh, are some of the most inspiring people I've ever met. So I can't wait until they can get on with the business of living and not fighting and can build the country that they, they have in their dreams. Well, congratulations on your son, Ivan, but also on this beautiful piece of art that you've brought into the world that will will shape so many people's vision of not only your relationship, but uh, Ukraine and, and what we all hope happens there. You're starting the run in Edmonton. The play runs from April 22nd to May 13th. Is that right? That's right. And then Vancouver from May 25th till June 4th. And Saskatoon from October 11th to the 29th. 
and Winnipeg from November 1st to the 18th. You can also subscribe to our page on Instagram, Punctuate Theatre, and we always post dates there in mm-hmm. our latest news. Punctuate Theatre is where Matthew is artistic director. Well, we'll make sure to uh, provide a link to that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your story on the Canadian Love Map. It means so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.